welcome to Hope City Church, Melbourne, Australia. Stay tuned for another inspiring message by Pastor Andrew McGrath. So are you ready for a great day? Okay, this is an amazing chapter. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. Would it have been an amazing opportunity, amazing time to sit by the lake and listen to the master teaching. And the crowd gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat, begging people to sit up near the front of the lake. He said, I'll even give you a prophecy. While all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. Ah. And he taught them many things by parables. And you will know if you've... How many people have read this chapter, Mark chapter 4? You will know as you read this chapter that there are three major parables that Jesus teaches. And I'm not going to unpack them all in detail, but essentially these three parables go like this. And if you're taking notes, Mark chapter 4... Uh, particularly the second part of the first parable where he unpacks the parable, which is verse 13 to 20. And Jesus is teaching the crowd the principles of the kingdom. And the first principle is in the first parable. And he said to his disciples that Satan is after the seed or the word of God being planted in your heart. And if you can't steal the seed, he will seek to damage your heart. Did you hear that? Number one, Satan is after the seed that God wants to sow in your heart. He wants to steal it. That seed may be a word from, from God concerning your finances, your future, a revelation from God to you. Satan wants to steal the seed from you. And if he can't steal the seed, he will seek to damage your heart, the soil of your heart, so it cannot function with the seed. Are you getting this? Jesus is telling the people, this is a kingdom principle. Satan wants to steal the seed. He wants to steal it today. He wants you to be distracted. He wants you looking at your friend. He wants you scratching your head. He wants you playing on the phone, looking at Facebook. He wants you thinking about dinner because he doesn't want you to get the seed today. He wants to steal the seed. So he does that during the day. Don't read the word. You're too busy. He wants to steal moments of opportunity where the seed is planted in your heart. He's afraid of the seed. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me now. Don't get distracted. He wants to steal the seed. We're so easily distracted. He wants to steal the seed. And if he can't steal the seed, he will seek to damage your heart. Confusion, disappointment, delay. He will seek to corrupt the heart. Jesus is teaching this to the people. So my heart must be established in love so I can receive and nurture the seed. This parable is about preparing the heart, your inner world, making sure that it's filled with love and not damaged so he can receive the seed. Jesus is saying, make sure your inner world is right. Make sure that you've got a grasp on the love of God towards you. Keep your heart clean. Prepare the soil. Nurture the soil. Every gardener knows that, that, that the critical thing is make the soil right. We did that out in the, out in the garden there. We, we just topped the soil up with beautiful new soil. Why? Because when the soil is right, the seed will come in and it'll grow. Jesus said, protect your heart. Don't let the, the enemy steal the seed. Don't let him damage your heart. Number two, the second parable, he says that in, in Mark 4, 26 to 29, that the seed works automatically. Whether you're asleep or you're awake, once you plant the seed, it has a life of its own. So you need faith today that his word will come to pass. Because when you have faith that the word comes to pass, it then produces a realm of rest and peace. Whether you're asleep or awake, the seed grows. When the seed comes in, you have absolute faith what God has said will come to pass. 
And it's placed there of the goodness of God. You have a revelation that when God is not a man, he can lie. When God speaks, he acts. When that comes, when that begins to grow inside you, it produces a realm of rest and peace. There's something about a man or woman who has a conviction in the heart that what God has said, it will come to pass. Anxiety and worry dissipates and they have a rest in their heart. Jesus is teaching this. Why? Because they're about to experience everything that he's taught. Protect the seed. Watch out for the enemy because he's going to try and damage your heart. When that seed begins to grow, it has a life of its own. And you'll be able to rest, go to sleep, all be awake. And that seed is at work in your life. The moment you believe what God says about you, the moment you believe in the promises of God, those promises are working on your behalf and you can be at rest. No more anxiety, no more stress. The realm of peace over a believer's life is all-powerful. One of the greatest things that we can come into is a place of perfect peace. It's one of the great weapons against the enemy. When you're anxious, when you're worried, when you're discouraged, when you're worked up about your past, present, future, you are, in effect, you are sitting like a sitting game for the enemy. He can take you out. The kingdom of God is a realm of peace. Peace is power in the kingdom. Are you getting this? This is what Jesus is teaching them. The third thing he says in Mark 4 verse 32, that this realm of peace will grow and it will create a perimeter of blessing that releases the angels to do their work. He says to them, you know the story, it's like a, a, a seed that's tiny, it's planted in the ground that grows up to be a big tree and the birds of the air nest under its shade. And, he, and I wrote about this in the Gospel according to Noah, that it's essentially a tree grows within us. It's the revelation or the belief of a truth that God has spoken. And it grows into a tree. The tree casts shade or, or, or creates a boundary where the birds come and nest in that boundary. And wherever that shade is, the blessing of God flows. Remember, that's why Peter could walk down the street and his shadow would heal the sick because he had a revelation of the healing power of God. So wherever his shadow went, anyone in that perimeter got healed. And so when you have a revelation about a truth that God has given you and you come into a realm of peace, peace creates the perimeter or the boundaries where God can move even where you are not. So you can walk into a shop you can walk into a business. You can walk into a school. And because you carry the peace of the government of God, that perimeter begins to affect people that you haven't even spoken to. Right. Everything begins to shift. Jesus is teaching them about the power of the kingdom. It starts as a seed in you. If you protect it, it grows. And you come into a place of authority. And not just for you, then it begins to go outward. It begins to change your family, your church, even your city. So Jesus is teaching this at the lake. So let's now turn to verse 35. On the same day, the same day as he taught, when evening had come. Well, there's a clue. Evening is a picture of what? Darkness, challenges. He said to them, let's let us... Let us cross over to the other side. When they left the multitude, they took Jesus along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were with them. And a great windstorm arose. If I'm going to be in a boat, I want Jesus to be in my boat. Have you noticed that there were other boats with them, but Jesus wasn't in that boat? A great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. And Jesus was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they woke him and said, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he arose and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. We all said, Yea, Jesus, you're amazing. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and they said to one another, who is this person? Who is he? 
Even the wind and the sea obey him. Mark 5 verse 1. Then they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadarenes. And when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tomb, a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs and nobody could bind him, not even with chains. All right, point one. When evening comes, a test awaits us. Does anyone notice that? On the same day, when evening had come. Luke opens this same story with a very matter-of-fact way of saying, one day Jesus said to his disciples, have you ever been like that? You woke up one day, it didn't seem like anything different. You got, if you had have known what was coming, you wouldn't have got out of bed. <laughs> he says, one day, Jesus said, let's go over to the other side. And these storms can appear when we least expect it. In fact, there are people maybe sitting next to you today that are going through storms. Some storms you know about, other storms nobody knows about. Maybe your partner doesn't know about, but you're going through a storm. It could be a financial storm, an emotional storm, stormy relationships. But we will all go through storms and we don't always know when they're going to come. I think back in my life to the days where there were particular storms. I wish I had known they were coming. But we don't. And hence Jesus has taught us and prepared us. For the day a storm comes, this storm has come and it's not sent from God. The enemies, we know the enemies behind this storm. In fact, when we get to the other side, we see what the storm was about and where the storm came from. There was a demonic spirit on the other side that was stirring up this storm. There are storms that come. And they're not our own making. Yes, I know some people call storms. We've met those sort of people. But for many of us, we go through storms and they're not of our own making. We wake up one day and stuff happens. And Jesus said, these days are going to happen and I'm preparing you for the storms of life. I'm training you. I haven't sent them, but something great's going to happen through them. The storm has come. And God's going to use this storm to reveal to you the level of truth that is inside you. See, we don't know what's inside us until a storm comes. We can all worship God today and say, how good God is. You're a good, good father. We can all sing that and we should. But the truth of that revelation only is revealed in a storm. I'm sure that after they heard this message, they were all applauding Jesus. They lined up to get the CDs and the tapes and the books. It was sold out that day. They all went home saying, I believe in this message. But Jesus knew that only a storm could reveal to these disciples what was in their heart. Now, we don't look for storms. We don't pray for storms unless you're crazy. (laughs) But storms do serve a purpose. We're not thankful in the storm, but out out of the storm, we begin to see the level of truth that is within us. When evening comes, a test awaits us. I wrote down here that the teaching comes on Sunday, the test comes on Monday. And that's the truth for many of us today, that there's a test that comes for every revelation that we get. Mark 4.15, they heard the word with gladness. But persecution came because of the word. And many were offended. See, the devil's after the seed that's been planted inside you. He's afraid of that. Don't take it personally. It's actually not about you. It's about the seed that's in you. And he hates that. He doesn't want it multiplying. And he's come against you because of what you carry inside you. He's intimidated. He's afraid that if this seed begins to grow, it's going to grow into a tree. And the angels will come. And you will establish a revelation in your your life that will not just affect you, but everybody around you. Your perimeter will get too big for him. And he's afraid. He wants to snap it. And snuff it out while it's small. So he comes 
in the form of a storm. So that's the challenge that awaits us. Storms at evening time. And I want to make sure that when the storm comes, that that seed has been implanted deep in a heart of love. See, the hearts where there were 30, 60, 100 fold, there were hearts that had a revelation of the love of God for me, where the seeds could go down deep and they were untouchable. That's why Jesus could sleep. My second thing about this story is that as we read this passage of Scripture, that in this story I, I, I see that the next revelation that comes out of that is that we are to harness the wind and use it for our advantage. Mark 4.35 says, When evening came, Jesus said, Let's cross to the other side. And you know, as you read this story, that a great windstorm came against them. Oh, nobody likes a windstorm. It's in their face. It's, it's actually actively coming against them. They can't see. It's, it's actually pushing against their destiny. Jesus said, we're going to the other side. But the wind is saying, you're not progressing. I'm coming to take you out. Isn't it interesting that in Luke chapter 8, verse 26, so Luke's, Luke gives another account of this story. And in Luke 8, 26, after the storm has finished, do you know it says these words? They sailed to the region, which is across the lake. I thought about that. You can't sail without wind. I know that sounds amazing, but... You can't. So the wind came against them to stop them going into their destiny. Once they overcame that, that same wind turned and pushed them into their destiny. So it tells me that I've got to master the wind so I use it to propel me into my destiny. The storms can be manipulated Rather than take me out, they propel me where I want to go. For where we want to go is always on the other side. It's not where we are now. Where you are now is not where God wants you to be. Are you hearing me? Where you are now, you may be stuck at a realm. So God allows things and, and storms come and he uses that wind to propel you out of a place of comfort into a new dimension. Nobody enters new dimensions without first going through a storm. We need the wind to move us. No wind, no movement. No wind, no progression. No going to the other side. So I say these things will not kill me. They won't push me away, but I will use them to propel me into my destiny. As I look back in my life through the storms I've been through, and you've been through storms too, we can all say... If we use the storm according to the way God has designed it, it will move us to our destiny. See, there are some who may have not gone through the storm with the right attitude. You might have got angry at God. You might have gone through storms and not understood what God was doing. And now that storm, rather than propelling you, has, has, has almost shipwrecked you. But there are others who say, you know what? Even though I don't understand all the whole workings of the storm, I trusted in God. I believed in God. And, and you know what? Out of my storm, there's a song of victory. Out of my weakness, I became strong. Out of my pain, I was comforted. And now I'm a comfort to others. Doesn't Paul say that? He says, you'll experience comfort from the Spirit. And from that same comfort, you will comfort others. So you've gone through pain. You've allowed God to heal your heart. And now you find yourself almost supernaturally, being connected to people that are in the same storm that you used to be in. And now you've got a song out of the storm to sing over these people. How God turns all things together for good. How he's the storm master. How he's able to enable you to turn your sails to catch the wind and propel you. What God has for me is on the other side. So I need to settle in my heart this one thing. It's profound, I know. I'm going to the other side. 
you're going to the other side. You may be in the middle of the storm, but you need to get up every day when the winds are blowing and declare, I don't know how, but I am going to the other side. Did you hear that? I'm going to the other side. Anyway, you think, oh, what a fool. Can't he see the wind? Can't he see he's going backwards? Can't you see the water? But see, Jesus was asleep because he knew he was going to the other side. See, the wind wants to get inside you. We, this, is, this is the outworking of what Jesus has taught. You've had a seed. You're going to the other side. Now the enemy wants to steal that seed. He wants to corrupt your heart. But you stand up and you grab that seed and say, this is my seed. Jesus said, let us, that means him and me, go to the other side. You will not steal my seed. It is mine. You hold it. I can hold the seed in the boat and I'll get to the other side. Can you see this whole story is the unpacking of Jesus' teaching by the shore of the lake. Jesus is master of the shore and master of the sea. When he teaches you at the shore, it's because he's inviting you into the sea. So I say to the devil, you can huff and you can puff, but you won't blow my house down. I might take on some water. But I'm getting to the other side. I might get wet. I might have days where I wake up and I want to suck my thumb. And I have those days. I might have days where I cannot see. There's so much wind and water in my eyes and I can't see ahead. But I'm getting to the other side. I might have a hissy fit. And you might be huffing and bluffing. But I'm going to the other side. Why? Because I'm in a boat. And boats are built for storms. Did you hear that? I'm in a boat called the Holy Spirit boat and they're built for storms. And even when I feel like I can't go on anymore, somehow, I don't know how, but I feel the power and the energy of the Holy Spirit pick me up when I can't go any further and begin to push me through. I'm in a boat. See, if I was swimming, I'd be in trouble because I can't swim through the storm. But boats are built for storms. And it's not just any boat. Jesus is in this boat. Jesus said, let us go over to the other side. Let us. Anything you're going through today, you need to tell yourself every single day in the midst of a storm, particularly, Jesus said, let us go to the other side. He's with you. Whatever storm you're going through. See, there are people here today and you're going through storms nobody knows about. Some of you may have even had thoughts of taking your life. Some may have, have had thoughts of that, there's, that nothing good could come of my life. I'm stupid. I'm foolish. I'll never get ahead. But Jesus is in your boat. He's going to take you to the other side called destiny. The enemy is a liar. And let me tell you, all those thoughts in your head, let me give you a little clue. I've told you before, but it's worth repeating again. Every thought that the devil gives you, that comes subconsciously into your mind, let me tell you, it is a lie. Did you hear that? It's a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. He can only speak lies. He says when he speaks lies, he is speaking out of his native tongue. He is a liar, liar, pants on fire. And so every thought that comes that, that seeks to diminish my worth, my destiny, my ability, it is a lie. And so what you do is you reverse that, and that's the truth. He says, you're hopeless. So that, Oh, thank you. Thank you for telling me that. That means I've got great hope. He says, you'll never make it. So that tells me I'm going to make it. Thank you. He actually plays into my hand because he's a liar. And he's only telling me the opposite of what is true. That's what a lie is. I know it's very profound. But he actually is giving me uh, like, a, like a heads up of my destiny because he's a liar. And somehow he's heard of what's going to happen. So he says the opposite. So I say, thank you. Thank you. I know I'm going to be great. See, so many people believe he's lies. The devil is a liar. The storms are a lie. 
We know that because we've read the end of the story. But the storms aren't true. They weren't going to drown and they weren't going to die. They would just get a little wet. Here's the thing. When God speaks to us and gives us a promise, it's because he knows we're heading into trouble. If you weren't heading into trouble, you wouldn't need a promise. The promise is to tell you that which isn't obvious. So he gives you a promise and you hold on to that promise. Harness the winds and use them to your advantage. The winds come in forms of lies and a sense realm. So you harness that. Go, oh, storms come. Okay. That can only be a good sign. He's afraid. He's anxious. He doesn't want me getting to the other side. Why did the storm come? Because the enemy knew Jesus was coming to take a whole region. The storms are a heads up. God's got good things ahead. Number three. So harness the winds. Number three. Keep sailing even when it seems like you are solo. Verse 28, Jesus was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. Thank you, Jesus. Appreciate that. They awoke him and said, do you not care that we are perishing? Who woke Jesus that day? Let's not send Thomas because he'll... He's not much help. He's doubting and he'll probably tell Jesus there's holes in the boat. (laughs) They woke Jesus. Don't you care? What are you doing? Where are you? That's the theme coming through this verse. In the storm, remember I said in the storm, not in my storm, in the storm. Don't identify with the storm. It's not yours. In the storm, we must remember this thing, that the presence of the storm is not the absence of God. The presence of the storm doesn't mean that God's not there. It might feel like that, but God is with you. Job talked about this fact that he looked around, he couldn't even perceive where God was. So in the storm, you're going to have to learn to walk by faith and not to be sense-driven because it will feel like God has abandoned you. Oh, it's interesting. Go back. Sow the seed, whether you or are awake. Whether Jesus is asleep or you're awake. Whether it feels like Jesus is not there, whether it feels feels like his presence is all over you, the same seed is growing. It's got nothing to do with how you feel. Nothing to do with how you can see or what you can perceive. This is why Jesus said this story. Whether you sleep or awake, the seed grows. And guess what? I'm going to go to sleep. Can't you see? This is, he's actually giving him a heads up to what's going to happen. Oh, we can see that in hindsight. But Jesus is saying the seed will always work whether you feel like it or not, whether you can perceive me or not. Be guaranteed of this. The seed will work. When I speak, it shall be done. Do you remember I shared the other week about the parable of the servant and the master? I think it's in Luke 17 verse 5. And I, 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 just this year I began to see that and I could never understand this parable. But it's the parable where the, where the, the, the disciples said, Jesus, increase our faith. And Jesus tells the story about the, the master that comes in and, and the servant waits on him. And after the master has been fed... Then the servant has his meal. And the master doesn't even thank him. He says, we're just unprofitable servants. So theologians have made all sorts of things of that. But I believe that God's talking to us about faith in the sense realm. That the sense realm is there to serve our faith and not the other way around. Remember, I told you these points. You may just want to think about them again. You've probably written them down, but the five senses never eat first. They're designed to wait on faith. The sense realm serves what faith commands. 
Only after the sense realm has has served faith, it can function and take its share. So yes, senses, you can, we're not denying senses. Yes, you, you have a part to play in my life, but, but second, I live by faith, not by what I see. What I see is screaming storms, wind, adversity, no progress, hopelessness. There's no way out. But the servant doesn't eat first. Faith eats first. It takes its portion and says, okay, after I've had my share, then you can have a sneak preview. You can have a look. But most Christians feed their sense realm and faith eats last. And if all our sense realm lines aligns, the stars align, then we'll believe. You'll never go through a storm like that. It'll take you out. Scream. That's why Christians are sad one day, happy the next. Sing one day at church, refuse to sing the next. Because it's sense-driven. If all the planets align, if everyone's nice to me, if there's lots of money in my bank, if there's no storms, the sea's calm. That was my audition for the music team. Then I'll be happy. See, that's when the storms master me and I don't master the storms. God is often silent during the storm because it's a test. And in the test, no talking in test. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed? Maybe because I I never cheated in test, of course. (laughs) But there's no talking in test because it is a test to what you know. See, uh, today they give tests with open books. It's not a test. It's a multiple choice. That's not a test. Anyone can do multiple choice if you can read. But true tests come when everything is silent around you and what's inside you is being revealed. So you don't operate on a person with a book on the side, a textbook. No, because you've got to know it inside. It's got to be automatic. It's got to come from within. So these storms are revealing what's inside to... Often God is silent. And that's the time we want him to speak. Where are you? I don't like this. There's a lot of wind. You're asleep. Don't you care? Have you prayed prayers like this? God's silent a lot. No, no, I don't mean he doesn't talk to us. There's a lot of things that God doesn't talk about. And I know you hear prophetic people, you know, they, they're hearing God every minute of the day. It's just amazing. But I want to ask you, just, just while no one's watching, does that happen to you? Does God speak to you every second of the day? I mean, apart from Kim, all the rest of us. It's like, now God speaks to me, but there's a, there are periods of silence. I think, I'm the pastor. I should be hearing. What would they think? But you know, there is times of testing. But God nurtures it and loves you, but there's things he's just not saying. He sleeps a lot, this God. So I say, God, where are you in my storm? Where are you? What are you doing? Does this ever cross your mind? No? He, I mean, he did that to Adam and Eve. I told you he would come down in the cool of the day and walk and talk. And then go back to heaven. And then what? Leave them to talk amongst themselves. Why doesn't God talk to us every second of the day? You've got to ask yourself that. Because he should, shouldn't he? I know people say, God, you know, you're going to have this amazing relationship with God where he talks every second of the day. God won't do that. That's called a baby. God wants you to grow up. And be like him. The older my children get, the less I talk to them. No. (laughs) The less instruction they need. The more I can give them a command without all the details attached and they can go and do the job. The relationship has changed. It's deeper, but there's an instinctive knowing you've become like me. You know, when I say clean the car, I don't mean... Anyway, 
There's a way that seems right to man, but the end is death. <laughs> but now they know that when I say clean the car, it looks like this because we've watched Dad do it. He's told us, and now we know how to do it. We often think if God was with us, there'd be no storm. Everything would be beautiful. It's just not true. So I quote this passage to myself, the angel of the Lord encamps around those that love him to deliver them and protect them. And yet still there are storms. How do you reconcile that? Well, I stopped praying that prayer a long time ago. It doesn't work. My angels are, I don't know. Maybe I got, you know, the, the Jerry brand ones. I don't know. I just, they're supposed to protect me, but they don't protect. I get wet. Sometimes angels deliver and sometimes angels minister. Jesus in the wilderness is ministered by angels, uh, ministered to by angels. They don't stop him being attacked, as it were, by the enemy. They minister to him so he can stand against the enemy. They will surround you all the days of your life to protect, to deliver, and at times to minister so you become the deliverer. So he's silent in the storm because he's revealing what's inside you. Paul prayed three times, Lord, get me out of this mess. God said, my grace is sufficient. Jesus prayed three times, is there another plan? But yet the grace of God empowered Jesus to walk that journey from the garden to the cross. God is with me. Even when I'm flying solo, he's a very present help in times of trouble. The psalmist says that when we go through this valley, he will prepare a table for us in the presence of our enemies. So he's saying that in this storm, if I hold my nerve, if I realize God is with me, there will be a meal out of this storm that I can eat, that will nourish me and strengthen me. You become the meal. Or you eat the meal. So when I'm flying solo, as it were, I need to remind myself that whether I'm awake or asleep, he is with me. The seed is growing. I can be at rest. Interesting, isn't it? The chaos around me must submit to the peace that is inside me. He rebuked the wind. He got up said, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and it was calm. He said, why are you so fearful? Why haven't you got any faith? And so they feared exceedingly. They said, who is this that the wind and the sea obey him? The chaos around me must submit to the peace in me. This is such a significant revelation. The chaos around me will submit to the peace that is inside me. Whatever's going on around you must submit to what is inside you. Peace reigns over chaos. It's a law of the kingdom. I was a printer many moons ago. And one of the forms of printing I did was like a screen printing on gaskets. And in that room, they created a positive pressure. So in other words, they would pump air into the room so what was on the outside couldn't come in. So the dust couldn't come in and sit on the gasket. The reverse of that is in a hospital when you have a, a room that you put um, like isolation wards where they create pressure on the outside so what's in the ward the disease can't travel out. Are you getting that? Yeah. So the peace that is in me, that is so strong and powerful, eliminates the chaos from coming in. If chaos is coming in, it's because the pressure of peace hasn't been turned up on the inside. What is on the outside should never come in. What's on the inside should always dominate what's on the outside. The nature of the kingdom is to expand. Mark 4.30, it tells us that, that, that the kingdom is like a mustard seed. 
Remember, smaller than any seed, but when it grows up, becomes larger than. You've got to get this. What is on the inside of you, even though you can't see it, at times feel it, is called the kingdom of God. It is growing on the inside and it is greater than anything on the outside. What is inside you? The kingdom. If you will come to a place of rest and complete surrender that he is with me, what he says he will do, when you come at peace at that, where you do not allow what is on the outside to come in, what is on the inside of you will grow and grow and grow until everything around you bows its knee to what is on the inside of you. That's why he said, greater is he that is in you than he's in the world. So you are a living, walking kingdom. And wherever you go, Everything must bow to what is on the inside of you. Storms are meant to be overcome. The spiritual man judges all things, but he's not judged by anyone. He is the one that determines. She is the one that determines. This is what Paul means when he's writing 1 Corinthians 2. He's saying you have this kingdom within you and nothing on the outside can cause that to bow when you nurture this kingdom. It starts off like a mustard seed. But when it grows, if you allow your heart to be filled with love, that overwhelms all the questions and the negativity and the lies, and you nurture this seed, it will overcome everything on the outside. Big God, small devil. Big kingdom, small storm. So here's the question, is the revelation of his peace within me greater than the pressure of the storms around me? I'm a peace carrier. Luke 17, 21, the kingdom of God is within me. See, everything flows from within. That's why we have to keep our heart from offense, from anger, from confusion, from disappointment. This is the critical thing. Remember, parables are parables of love. If you nurture the field, do you remember the man that sold everything to buy a field? Do you remember that? Why did he buy the field? Because the treasure was in the field. If you nurture the field, the heart, you get the treasure. And there's more than one treasure. He bought the field, not the treasure. You nurture the heart, you get everything. So inside me, there's a revelation of peace and of love. And everything around me must bow. The world around me bows to every internal victory. That's why internal victories are so important. So many Christians are looking externally. Do you understand that the key is internal victory? Internal victory. Now, this is not navel-gazing. This is... This is nurturing the kingdom within me, the love of God for me. The word of God, nurturing that inside because internal victories become external victories. Kill the lion, the bear, you get Goliath as a package. You nurture that. Then the world around me begins to mirror what's inside me. That's why James says that you open the word, it becomes a mirror to you. See, because the word is the most superior reality in all of the world. What God says in his word is more real than anything that you can see with your natural eyes. So the word becomes the mirror to me. I look at the word and that's what I become. Now listen to this. This is what many Christians don't understand. It doesn't matter whether you understand what you read. If you make a commitment to read the word, even verbally, Read it, read it, read it, read it. What happens? Something begins to shift on the inside and you know not how. Automatically. I don't know. I just started making a commitment to read the Word every day. Just read it, read it, read it, read it, read it, read it, read it. And all of a sudden, something began to shift. The kingdom began to grow inside. So the Word mirrors its reality to me and then I mirror my reality to the world. And it bows. I bow to the word. The world bows to me. The chaos around me must submit to the peace inside me. See, revelation within is not just to bring me comfort in the storm. The issue is not just your comfort. God wants to comfort you in the storm. Did you hear that? 
Andrew said, God wants to comfort you in the storm, and he does. But many times God wants to do things through me, not just to me. I listened to a, a great theologian the other day who he was an expert on the New Testament. And he was amazing, except he was silly. He told people, the students, that when we read the New Testament, it's so we would wonder at the amazing Jesus and how wonderful he is in the New Testament. And he is. But we should never get the idea that we could do what he did. So Jesus has come to be an example to me, but Jesus has also come to be an example of me. This is who you are. The whole issue of the boat was to show the disciples, not that they would clap, Jesus, you're amazing. Look at him, storm caster out of, sleeps in the storm. Oh, you're amazing. And he is amazing. But he didn't do it. He already knew he was amazing. He doesn't need us to say you're amazing. That's not why he did it. He did it to show us the authority we had over the storm. So when God is silent, sometimes it's because he wants us to wake up. Who's really asleep in that boat? There's a thought. Who was really asleep that day? Was it Jesus or the disciples? I put it to you that it was the disciples that were asleep and Jesus was fully awake. Too many Christians live lazy lives. Jesus, rescue me. Get me out of this mess. Ma! That's, 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 that's their prayer life. Help me, help me, help me. I pray those prayers. Have you ever prayed those prayers? I'm walking up and down the room and I'm listening to myself pray. Help me, help me, help me, help me. I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. I don't know. But I pray these prayers and I'm listening to myself pray. Help me, help me, help me. Get me out of this mess. Help me, help me. The, the, the mindset of rescue me out of this storm. God's saying, get up and speak to the storm. This chaos around you is meant to submit to what is inside you. I did it just to show you who you are. Now wake up and speak to the storm. Blessed are the peacemakers. Oh, And we've read that passage and it's, it's like, you know, those Christians that never do anything wrong. Blessed are the peacemakers because they always say nice things. They always wear nice clothes. They never do anything wrong. I grew up with Christians like that. Oh, <laughs> blessed are the peacemakers. No, see, this is, a, this is a scripture of war. This is not blessed are the peacemakers who never get in arguments or never offend anybody. So blessed are those that make inside them, they have a factory of peace inside them. Yeah that conquer chaos in their world, that are able to go into a storm and go, and release the peace. It's not easy to do that when all all of hell is raging against you. And you come in and you say, God, let your kingdom come and flow through me. Thank you for your peace that reigns. Thank you, you said, Let us go to the other side. And I'm coming out. And you walk into that storm as a peacemaker. I've got a factory inside me. It's making cans of peace. It's on a conveyor belt. Peace cans. But you get what I'm saying? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Jesus said, you now carry my DNA. Last point, and this is a short one, but it's a great one. My personal victory is the catalyst for greater works. Now, listen to this. Then they came to the other side of the sea. They came to the other side of the sea, and they meet this man, this hairy galoot, full of demons, legion. I mean, you think about having one demon. This guy's got 2,000 of them. I mean, he's just like, off the charts. He's got no clothes. He's hairy. He's smelly. And he's covered in bruises and blood. And he's this sight. And he saw, verse 6 of Mark 5, Jesus from afar. And he ran and worshipped him. And he cried out with a loud voice, 
What have I got to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you by God, don't torment me. For he said to him, come out of that man, you unclean spirit. And he asked him, what is your name? And he said, we are many. I read that verse, that story, and I'm thinking to myself, the demon-possessed man sees Jesus from afar. He cries out to Jesus, Rah! what have I got to do with you? Don't torment me. For Jesus had said, come out of him, unclean spirit. When did Jesus say that? At the boat? On the shore? Maybe. Or maybe he said it when he said, peace be still. So that tells me that when I operate in my peace and I speak to my storm, it has far-ranging effects in time and in travel. Think about that. Jesus spoke to the noble man, the official, and he spoke a word and time and distance did not defy what he spoke and the boy was healed that instant. So that tells me when I speak to my storm, it begins to set the prisoners free all around me. In time, future, time, past. As I speak peace to my storm, people start to get set free. Now that man wasn't set free at that moment, but he was ready for an encounter with God. This place where Jesus arrives, Gadarenes, do you know the meaning of that place? It's called... The reward at the end. That's the meaning of that place they were traveling to. The garden of the princes or the riches. It's an upgrade of territory. There is a reward at the end of your storm. There's a personal reward. There's a corporate reward. Your peace, your battle over the storm, your, your conflict where you are warring for peace has wide ramifications on your family, your marriage, your workplace, this city. Can you imagine that? If I gain authority over the storm, you gain authority. It begins to affect you and you and you and you. See, it's not just, we think just individual. Oh, my storm, my peace. But God thinks corporately, families, cities, nations. Did Jesus know, well, he's Jesus, of course, that when he spoke to the storm, it was the catalyst for a man to be set free. When you speak to your storm, it's the catalyst for someone else to be set free. We're the master over the storm because the kingdom of God is within us. So as we sing this song about the kingdom, I want you to think about what you're singing because the kingdom's not some random thought. The kingdom of God is within us. And when we nurture his kingdom and his peace reigns, every storm shall bow.